Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. Well, Christy, we both came close to crying in today's conversation because I think neither of us realized we'd make it this far in this particular story. Did we? I know. I'm so glad we revisited these old stories today. Sometimes remembering the hardest days helps us see today with more gratitude and more grace. Get comfy, friends. Here we go. It's a good week because this week is sandwiched between two visits to Maplehurst. My favorite kind of sandwich, if I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I feel like Joey Tribbiani from Friends. His favorite food group was sandwiches. Sandwiches. And one of my favorite things is when you have a sandwich of great events <laughs> holding on to your week. And we were just there last weekend, and we will be there again this weekend for the Easter egg hunt that you heard us talk about last week, if you were listening to the episode. And for those of you who might have listened last week, wished you could come and visit Maplehurst in person. And if you happen to live in the Pennsylvania or D.C. or Maryland or Delaware areas or Virginia, um, you can because Chrissy is hosting a special garden party event. And there are, guys, there are just 25 tickets left. So just very few tickets. So if you're local and you want to come, please do visit the link in the show notes today. Click through and register because we'd love to see you in person. Because honestly, one of our favorite things is having a conversation. Obviously, here we are conversing. And so we, the thought of getting to connect with some folks in person is really exciting. The closest we come to that at the moment is often your comments that you leave either on social media or that you leave for us as a review. So if you haven't ever done that and you've heard us read these reviews, now is your big moment. Please go into wherever you listen to the podcast and leave us a review. We always enjoy hearing, Chrissy, I don't know about you, but like I like hearing whatever metaphor they use to describe the conversation. Right. That's always fun for me. So here's a review from, well, I am, it's a number of letters, E-E-R-F-B-2-W-3. Thank you, kind friend. <laughs> it says, this podcast is like a warm blanket, a good friend, and it's a lift and a blessing each week. I'm actually sitting here wrapped in a blanket, so that feels you very, are. <laughs> very appropriate. It's on my knees like an old lady. I always feel edified and uplifted by words of faith that resonate with me and the humor and joy they find and share in everyday things. Lately, and then I got nervous at this part because she starts talking about all the hard episodes we've been having. Oh. I was worried. <laughs> but she says, lately, the episodes dealing with the hard things going in the world are so beautiful and help me focus on the good in me and others and the hope we have in our faith and Christ. I highly recommend this beautiful podcast with two beautiful, relatable women and the way they help me see ordinary life in such deeper, more meaningful ways. I'd really like to be their neighbor, but this Aww. podcast is the next best thing. Oh, I love that. Here's another great review from Krista, and she titles this one, My Favorite Podcast, which I feel so honored <laughs> that we are her favorite podcast. She says, I adore these ladies. I do not know them personally. I love that she begins with that because yeah. I have a feeling, and now I'm in injecting my own thoughts here, maybe she feels like she knows us personally, know. but she's acknowledging she doesn't know us personally. Right. But when I'm listening to them talk through their thoughts, it feels as though we are all in the 
room together, chatting over a cozy cup of coffee. They paint a beautiful picture of our ordinary lives. And for this, I am tuning in every week. Ah, Krista. Now, I'm, aren't you thinking like, here we are talking, Krista is with us. Krista, you are with us. I know. I like an R2D2, who I'm thinking of as that other comment, is with us also. <laughs> And you can oh, be with us it. in person if you come and uh, join us at Christy's garden party. And Christy, I get to be with you in person in the weekend sandwich of joy. <laughs> weekend sandwich of joy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're getting ready for this Easter egg hunt still. Of course, it will already have happened once this episode airs next week, but I'm still in the midst of the preparation. Right now, down in the dining room, there are enormous boxes filled with eggs. But the great thing is we've done it so many years now. I don't buy new eggs anymore. We just pull up all the old ones from the basement and fill them again. So that's what we've been doing this week. And um, every year I think, oh my gosh, this is a massive job. And then my kids like knock it out in one evening. It's crazy how fast you can fill eggs with candy. So while they were filling eggs last night, I was doing the mom thing. Oh, the mom thing. One of my least favorite tasks, Lisa Joe. I don't know how you feel about it, but making the grocery list for oh, the holiday yeah. weekend of eating. <laughs> right. Right. I was sitting here this morning with my notes app, like trying to think about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, and Easter is a tricky one because I, because it's a holiday, it's a, it's a feast, it's a celebration. And so, of course, for me, that means there must be special food. It cannot just be whatever we normally eat. There must be special food. Um, but we'll be in church that morning, mm-hmm. right? So it's just tricky. It's like, am I sticking something in the crock pot? Are we going to go to the early service and then rush home so I can get working in the kitchen? And um, I don't, I, and I can never remember what did I do last year? What did I, like, I, I can't ever remember. So anyway, I was trying to come up with a grocery list, but here's the other thing that's going on right now. So after a few years reprieve, and what I mean is my holiday meal planning used to be super complicated because uh, my son, Thaddeus, had all of these crazy food allergies, like really severe food allergies. Um, currently... I have a couple kids with nut allergies, but nuts are pretty easy to avoid. So I've had a reprieve where holiday meal planning, as long as I leave out the nuts, has been really straightforward. And the foods that I feel like everyone else gets to eat for those special holidays, we also can do, no problem. But Lisa Joe, I don't even think I've shared this with you yet. So here we are. We're going live with personal sharing (laughs) on the podcast. Let's do it. So about six weeks ago, maybe a little more, I I stopped eating dairy in a kind of, and by dairy, I mean like all of it, nothing with milk, nothing with cheese. Oh, cheese. Uh, but I <laughs> wow. stopped because- Wait, um, wait, wait. Does that I know, mean you can't you're, have I know what you're gonna say pizza with the fresh mozzarella on it? Friday <gasps> night pizza night. No. I know. I know. So I stopped because it really a last ditch effort to try to do one more thing to try to improve my asthma and allergy situation. Um, I'd heard just anecdotally from some people that it might help and I had always been resistant because half and half in my coffee and cheese on my Friday right. night pizza. Yes. <laughs> but I had tried everything and was in such a desperate place. I just finally thought, you know, I'm going to go all the way. I'm just going to cut it all out and I'm going to see. And Lisa Joe, within a week, 
within a week. I was coughing less, not clearing my throat all the time. It made such a difference. So the only option now is just to keep going. Oh, wow. I know. But the the saddest Christie you will find is the Friday night Christie as everyone eats (laughs) John's pizza. (laughs) Every other day is okay. I have discovered oat milk in my coffee, which is lovely. Even in tea, it works great. But pizza. Anyhow, so I'm I'm making, I'm trying to make, figure out what to make for Easter. And I kept coming up with ideas. And then, and I would tell John, oh, I know, let's do this. He was in the kitchen with me. And then I would remember, oh, it has dairy. And it kept happening. And then I told him, it's like I'm back in that place where everything around food and celebration felt so hard. Okay, I'm not completely bad because I'm not allergic. Like if I get some cross-contamination, I'm not going to die. <laughs> yes. It's not exactly the same. Yes. But it just reminded me of that time and how yes. hard it was. And uh, those, yeah, those holidays and how difficult they were. And so I guess, I guess since, yeah, that moment in the kitchen, I've been re- reliving, re-emotionally re- experiencing um, some of our stories from that that those 10 years of, of living with a child with extreme food allergies. So, and you, you remember it well, cause you used to gather with us in, in those right. times. I seem to recall a rather frantic check reading of cupcake labels for oh, Micah's man. birthday ones. There's or- been many times or like <laughs> yeah. all the hysterical lectures I would give my children because Thaddeus had these special cups that were just his that he would oh, drink I out of so there'd be the no contamination. Cups. But they yes. were kind of like metallic and yes. cool. So naturally, my kids would want to drink out of them, <laughs> their milk, you know, and like Jackson and Micah pound milk. And I remember having like a, almost a heart attack in your kitchen be like, what are you doing? Chris, come get me back. Give me back that cup. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And I feel like the kids, it was interesting how children are just kind of, I don't know, like in their strideness about it, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, sorry, dad. Like, yeah. you know, like no big deal. <laughs> the parents are having a heart attack. Heart attack, right. I completely forgot <laughs> about the special cups. Isn't it oh funny how gosh, something I will jog your memory and it's like, oh yes, that is how we because, used to live. Well, that is interesting because you, of course, remember the food preparation. Yeah. I remember what I think of as the food preservation, like trying to preserve boundaries uh, so that Oh my dad's gosh, it was food, so complicated. Like wouldn't like my children would not contaminate like not even like I remember we would practice at home like my kids would because they were littler right they'd spill milk on the counter and then I'd be like you know we're going to Miss Christie's if you spill milk like that you have to call me or dad right away if that is if it even touches his skin which is not an over exaggeration I mean that was true and so I mean we I I actually feel that anxiety like rise up in me at the thought because I couldn't control like what all yeah. my children would be doing and yeah. who would be sharing. You know, kids, they're like sharing drinks and try yeah. a bite of this. And then, of course, Thaddeus would have to have his special cauliflower crust pizza. Yeah. And then, of course, Micah wanted to try it always. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is all Thaddeus has. Why are you eating like three slices of his pizza? What are you doing? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Any situation where a it's on a, where there's a heavy responsibility on a parent yeah. to control 
your the own uncontrollable, child. which is their child Ugh. and their child's behavior Before. is so stressful. It's so, so stressful. stressful. I know you can have flashbacks to it. I actually, um, I was in Annapolis this weekend. Uh, not this weekend, yesterday. It feels like it's the weekend because we're talking about Easter, yeah. but yesterday. And I, 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 my son Micah is nearly 15 now, but I had a flashback of when he was four. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm going to tell the story yet because I feel like you were you were going to go first this morning. But just to say, I I had full body sweats just just remembering <laughs> what it was like. I think you should tell us what was the flashback. <gasps> oh, the trauma! <laughs> oh my gosh! So it's interesting because we're in Annapolis because Zoe had a middle school tour and they do like a shadow day where you get to spend all day going to school at the middle school you're oh. going to attend, and it's very wow. exciting for her. It's the school both her brothers have attended, and so of course everybody knows her. She's pseudo famous, is how she Aww, feels. Pseudo famous, um, <laughs> and Micah is the big eighth grader. And it was funny because Aww. after I dropped Zoe off. Um, and she got taken to the classroom by the students she was shadowing. Micah and his friends came walking by and I went over to let him know like what class she was going to be in because they had wanted to say hi to her. But at this moment, Christy, as they walked by and I walked over to them and it was a big crowd of boys, I had this feeling of like, Oh, I'm I'm dwarfed. I felt <gasps> surrounded by these giant humans. They're all oh. so big. Like they're all over 5'11. Some of them are wow. six foot. And I kind of like looked up to these giant eighth grade boys <laughs> and said, <laughs> Hey, Zoe's gonna be in such and such class. And it was in that moment, you you have these significant moments where you think, Oh, my kid is not like a toddler anymore. He is mm-hmm. this giant mm-hmm. man child. But then I spent the day in Annapolis while I was waiting for Zoe. But I was revisiting the scene of the crime of when Micah was four. And I just had such a sense of progress. Like sometimes you can really measure like how much your kid has grown or developed by going back to the same places. And uh, the Naval Academy is in Annapolis. It's right down by the water. It's really, really beautiful. And when people are here, often they ask to visit. So we, Annapolis is one of the oldest cities here in Maryland. Actually, it used to be the capital and the state house, the capital building in Annapolis is actually older than the U.S. capital. And oh. it's incredibly beautiful. It has kind of like a New England vibe when mm-hmm. it was settled, mm-hmm. you know. And so the houses are really pretty and the Naval Academy is there. It's on the water. We always take people to visit. But it used to be very traumatic because when you want to do touristy things and you have toddlers, it's just not good times. You know, they're just, they're not amenable to the experience. In the summer here, it is crazy hot and crazy humid. Peter's parents were with us. They wanted to go down to Annapolis and they wanted to stop and eat at one point, obviously. And there are these adorable little cafes along the waterfront. <laughs> I'll never forget. Oh. Micah was in full body meltdown mode. And whatever we suggested from the menu, he did not want. And we tried to placate him. We then just ordered for him because I knew he had to eat. We sat out on this delightful little edge of the curb. So there's like a main thoroughfare going by of like tourist foot traffic. And there we are seated at an outdoor table. And my son threw himself bodily into the oncoming you know, <laughs> foot traffic of tourists. And he lay down on the cobblestone pathway and just, 
I mean, he just flailed like a fish out of water, screaming and crying and the drop. Like, it was one of those things where you can't even pick him up by the hand because he's full body hysteria on the pavement because of what his choices were for lunch. <laughs> and then, I, I don't even actually remember why. It just was like, that was the season of our life. Like, it would take anything to set him off. Yeah. And I remember being so exhausted and I had tried to restrain him and I just gave up eventually and just figured he'd tire himself out. But I'll never forget the faces of these like poor families who were there at the Naval Academy visiting their cadets walking over my child or around <laughs> him judging me like with their <laughs> eyes and their voices, Christy. No. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with this kid. Like I don't yeah. have a straitjacket. If I did, I would use it. I would use it. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. And so interesting to look at him now and just realize, wow, mm -hmm. like, look what he grew into. And it's yeah. funny because I watched him yesterday afternoon at lacrosse, which is funny to me as well, because at the time when we moved to Maryland, I thought lacrosse was the weirdest game. I did not understand it. I had never seen anyone play it. And now my son, it's like his favorite sport. And I watched him on the lacrosse field and I watched how that body that he used to have no real control over and that temperament that he couldn't control and that drive and that would just devolve into hysteria is now like this focused athlete who's so strong and the biggest kid on his team and this huge leader everybody looks up to and he's excellent at whatever sport he plays like all of those things that are very hard in a four-year-old <laughs> very effective <laughs> in uh near, nearly a high schooler and hmm. it was one of those moments where i really you're gonna you're gonna know who it was that i was thinking of in that moment because i have often thought for the mom who's in that moment and has a kid out of control when you're feeling publicly shamed yeah. <laughs> you're in the grocery store or at a tourist site or like a family gathering like easter i've never really known what to do with those moments and those feelings because there's there's like a shame that crawls mm -hmm. in with it as well as a sense of failure like you feel like you're failing as a parent and there's such a sadness attached to it and i and i never really had the vocab for how to talk to god about it because i just felt like the conversation goes, do better, Lisa Joe, you know, or mm -hmm. get your kid under control. And I remember my in-laws essentially implying like that kid needs to be spanked, you know, he needs to be disciplined. And I yeah. knew at the time that's just going to ratchet this whole situation yeah. to the yeah. nuclear level. Like that actually isn't going to help. And so can, can I do it? Can I talk about our friend? Yes, we're about to tell you about a friend, but maybe I'll say first, I, I think in what, in planning the little bit of planning that Lisa, Joe, and I do for our conversations, which essentially, I'll just tell you, means we sit down and for the first 15 minutes, we chat. We just have yep. conversation. <laughs> or sometimes during the week, Lisa, Joe, you and I will like send boxers right. back and forth like, oh, I had an idea. I had an idea. Right. So I had an we had an idea you, for this you week. You had an idea. It was I, yours. Okay. It's a good but, one. But you know, you were right there with me. I think if I hadn't <laughs> had it five minutes later, you would have had it. So we had an idea for this week, but it also... Um, before we tell you what the idea was, it, it just made me realize, Lisa Joe, that you and I have, like, here we are, how many years into the podcast? And we've, we, I feel like we have shared all of our stories. And yet, um, I think because we're in a similar stage of life, we're, we're still moms with kids at home, but our kids are not little any longer. Right. Our kids are big and growing so fast that um, we're not in the trenches of parenting or great young kids, we're not yet 
grandparenting young kids. Um, and yet we have so many stories. We have lived those years, right? And I felt like, oh, I think now is the time to to revisit some of those stories. And I was already doing it. I was, you know, as I sat down to think about Easter, the, the egg hunt is always kind of triggers that for me because we've always made it a point to try, like we we try not to have any common allergens and the candy we've been in the anyway so it was already it's already remembering these stories and i think like we've said many times on the podcast it's really good to sit down and take the time to remember and then to reflect and the great privilege of this podcast is then we get to share with others who may actually still be in the in the trenches so i hope our stories are um encouraging and it's just good for you and I I think to remember oh we we ha- we do have this lived experience to share and that doesn't mean we have all the answers it doesn't mean <laughs> we we now know the formulas and we're going to tell you like here is what you do if you find yourself in beautiful historic Annapolis and your child is melting <laughs> like no that actually no <laughs> but I think what we do have are stories of survival <laughs> you know but yes and we also have something else today we have the book you need. We really do. And that book was written by our friend. Our friend wrote the book we need. Right. Ah! <laughs> and I'm holding it right now. You <laughs> Me can't too. see listeners, but I'm like showing you. I'm, if you were here, you would see I'm holding the book. The <laughs> book is um, by our dear friend, Elrina Evans, and it's called Special Grace, Prayers and Reflections for Families with Special Needs. Even better do you do you know the the writer of the forward forward Lisa Joe? I know, isn't that crazy? I did wonder how how did she get Joni Erickson Tata to write the isn't forward? that amazing? I think it's just amazing. the quality of her book. Yeah, she yeah. didn't know her ahead of time, but but um, Joni found out about this book, and the I just reread the forward before we sat down. She loves this book, so yeah, we're so excited to tell you share not only more of our stories today, but to tell you more about Arena's book. Um, And I guess I want to say just first that this book is for particular families and it's for all the rest of us. It's like all of that. So if you heard me say this is a book for, you know, for families with special needs. Yes. So if that's you, it's for you. But oh my goodness, I kind of want to give this book to everyone I know who interacts with children in any capacity, which frankly is like everyone at any church, right? I mean, it's it's just anyone. Um, but yeah, and when I say Elrina is our friend, like she is legitimately our friend. We just got to hang out with her for she her book release party. She was the beginning of the gathering sandwich this week. <laughs> we That's were at right. your house for her. She and yeah. I go to church together. So when she, I, I love reading the essays in here about church experiences because I I know the sanctuary she's talking about. I know the pastors she's writing about. And uh, yeah, so we're excited to to share more of this book with you, dear listeners, because it really is incredible. So it's stories like we tell on the podcast, stories like Lisa Joe and I were just telling about just kind of those honest moments, um, our hardest moments uh, of life with our kids, ordinary life stories. But then the best thing is she goes that step beyond And in the tradition of books like the Book of Common Prayer, she writes prayers for us, all all the prayers for those moments that we find ourselves in, but where we don't have the words. And 
maybe before we tell more stories and really launch into it, I'll just share the prayer that I got to, what's the word, um, kind of, uh, what would that be like? Not like an ex- like when an expert comes in and like checks the accuracy and offers, you know, <laughs> fact checking. Yeah, kind of a fact checker. I got to so she wrote this prayer, but then I got to sort of fact check it for her, and I actually helped her. And then her editor wanted to make changes because they didn't understand because it's not their lived experience. And I I did something that is so unusual for me. I pushed back and I said, "No, Elrina, no." <laughs> I am right and your editor is wrong. And then her editor graciously left it as is. But the prayer is this, a prayer for an EpiPen. I know. I feel like I just want to start crying when I hear the name of that prayer. I know. She has a prayer for an EpiPen. So this is just part of what I mean, that this is a book for families with special needs. But what I love is that I never I never used that language. I never thought of those years like, oh, I'm parenting a son with special needs. I never... I never had words quite, but I, but I was, and so many of us are, um, and I and I extend that to you and and your challenges with Micah. Like it's different, mm-hmm. and yet right. it's so much the same. So here is Elfrida's prayer for an epipen. God of all power, oh, I just love that. God <laughs> of all power, we thank you for our epipen. Thank you for the jolt like a bolt of lightning. Cle- oh, I'm going to cry. I didn't think I would. <laughs> I'm totally crying. Too. Oh, dear. Okay. Whew. Okay. Cle- oh, dear. Well, well, wait, take a breath and I'll just preface what you're... The reason Christy is so emotional is she has had to use that EpiPen to right. save Thaddeus' life. And even yeah, though- and Elsa's. I used it on Elsa like right. this fall. Oh, my goodness. Yes. They- okay. Okay, I can, I can, I can read it. Thank you, Lisa. Jo. <laughs> Thank you for the jolt, like a bolt of lightning, cleaving us from death to life, fear and relief, coursing white hot adrenaline through our veins. Thank you for the minds of those who saw the way to create this life-saving device. May we never be without it when we need it. May we never be afraid to use it. Be with us, Lord, now and always. Amen. <laughs> I love to give the backstory on that. So, yeah. so she yes. wrote this prayer, but of course she um, and she wrote all these gorgeous prayers in this book. For I mean, we're going to tell you more because they just cover everything. Um, but she wrote this prayer and then she sent it to me and said, "Hey, because I've never used an EpiPen, I just want your." Actually, even maybe before she started it, she said, can you just tell me about that experience? And and I can tell in reading it that what I shared, like she incorporated that language because, you know, I just described like the the intensity of what it of what it does and how rapidly it helps. And um, and I had just had an experience. Um, so, yeah, I used the EpiPen on Elsa this fall, but Thad maybe a year ago used it on himself. And, and so I had you know, very recent experience with like kind of physically and what what he was feeling like afterwards. And so I was describing that. And so when she talks about like jolt of lightning and God of power, like that really fits that experience. But this is what happened when she um, submitted the prayers, um, her editor or somebody, I, I assume it was her editor, somebody who also maybe hadn't used an EpiPen suggested changing it to say something like, we pray we won't have to use it or we pray it isn't necessary because obviously, you know, when you're 
an allergy mom, that is what you hope. Like you hope that your kid won't come across the the food that makes them so sick. Um, and so Elrina reached back out and said, "What do you think about this change?" And I didn't. I didn't have to think very long before I said, "I know." No. Well, I even can imagine what you said and why, because <laughs> we've had this conversation. Yes. I said no. I said the thing that I tell every parent, not just mom, but every parent or caregiver when it comes to kids' allergies is never, ever, ever hesitate to use it. Tell yourself actually that you are going to use it someday, and then you will be ready in that moment. Because um, what I learned the hard way when my son was young is there I can viscerally remember a moment where he was exposed to a, a food I didn't realize he was allergic to and he was having a reaction. But at that point, I hadn't I, I didn't want to use the EpiPen. I was still in that mode of like praying and hoping I wouldn't have to use it. And so I didn't. And looking back, I realized I should have. He was in much more trouble than I realized, but I hesitated. I just gave Benadryl and I was slow to help in a way I shouldn't have been. So yeah, my advice to Alrena was no, no, no. <laughs> Le- don't don't even put that language in there because we don't want to encourage any parent to 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 hold on to a hope that they won't have to use it because then in the moment if they need to use it, they might hesitate and the, and that's the worst thing they can do. Like if in doubt, I always tell allergy parents, if in doubt, use it. If in doubt because they'll be okay if you use it. But if they needed it and you don't don't use right. it, that's 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 the problem. So I, it just is so special to me that that she reached out for my input on that. But most of the prayers, man, they are just born of her own personal lived experience parenting her own children. I feel like you should read the EpiPen poem to uh, the prayer to us one more time. Like I now that you've given us that, because it's short. Yes, yes, now that I've described it, yes. you're right. I will. Okay, here it is. Um, and I'm also as I'm flipping to find it. I mean, there are prayers for Braille, for sign language, for cochlear implants, for a new mobility device. Like, oh my goodness, so many beautiful prayers. So here is for an EpiPen. God of all power, we thank you for our EpiPen. Thank you for the jolt like a bolt of lightning cleaving us from death to life, fear and relief coursing white hot adrenaline through our veins. Wow, it is. It's fear and and relief. Thank you for the minds of those who saw the way to create this life-saving device. May we never be without it when we need it. May we never be afraid to use it. Be with us, Lord, now and always. Amen. Whew, Lisa Joe, I, I, I guess I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. I mean, we don't normally just share our personal health stories, but um, my youngest is nine, and I... I didn't know she had allergies actually until she was six. <laughs> and that's because she has these nut allergies, but we gen- but I don't feed my family nuts because of her older brother. So I had no idea that she had any food allergies. Um, we had a minor incident when she was six that made me realize, oh, I think she is allergic to walnuts. So after that, we just avoided walnuts. No problem. And then this fall, we had in our refrigerator, I think given to us, it was left, I can't even remember how it came to be in our fridge. And uh, it was like a grocery store pumpkin pie. And she loves pumpkin pie. 
So it was a crazy day. I think we'd just gotten home from a trip. There was, so, oh my gosh, there was so much going on. Um, I remember my, yeah, my, my kids were scattered. My husband, John, was like across in the barn with his mom. And Elsa asked if she gave a piece of this pumpkin pie. I said, yes. And I'm in the kitchen. And then she comes in with this look on her face that I recognized because I have seen it on her brother's face. I know exactly what it means. It is absolute stillness. But you see in the eyes inside, utter panic. And I looked at her <laughs> and I thought, I, I know. And so I asked her what was happening. And uh, she, she could still talk at that point. And I gave, but as she said, I feel, uh, you know, my throat feels funny. I gave her Benadryl because I'm thinking, what? But of course, I have no idea that she's ingested anything. She shouldn't. Um, she goes back into, you know, the, the living room and into the couch. I follow her in. And then she stands up. Because oh, I because I said, do I need to use the EpiPen? She, she stands up and just gives me this look with big eyes and just nods. Mm. So I ran for the EpiPen. I used the EpiPen. She's nine years old. It wasn't even her EpiPen. It was her brother's EpiPen. Or it was a leftover of her brother's. And um, I called 911 because she's never had the EpiPen before. And, you know, they need to, to be monitored. And especially a young kid. And I didn't really know what was happening. But in that whole moment, you're thinking, like, is this happening? Am I doing the right thing? Is this the emergency it seems to be? And, you, like, you're you're doing it, but you're also questioning, and it's crazy. But um, that EpiPen, at the, mo- the moment I knew it had been the right thing was after the EpiPen, when she was so clearly better, <laughs> not yeah. what she was before. But then, you know, all the EMTs troop in, now it's like a... It's like a crazy circus in the house, which you know kind of adds to the intensity. Uh, but they were so kind and so gentle with her and so caring. And I started crying because I always do because <laughs> of the emotion and the relief. And and then later we um, we had her tested and we found out that she's also allergic to pecans. So I feel quite sure that 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 pumpkin pie was prepared in a kitchen with pecan pies because those go together. So that that. Just having that little piece of the puzzle just helped me feel a little better about the whole situation. Like, okay, yeah, she had this allergy we didn't know about. Of course, a pumpkin pie purchased from a bakery would be contaminated with pecans. And and that's what that's what did it. So, hey, Lord, thank you for that EpiPen. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Elrena's book, Special Grace, if you're wondering what it is again, Prayers and Reflections for Families with Special Needs. And I love that she actually has prayers in here for uh, like healthcare professionals, for counselors, for the therapists, for the people who help. Um, yeah, the helpers. Come alongside our families, the helpers. Yeah, she does. Oh, and it's not just the prayers, Lisa Joe. It's her it's her stories, like the stories we tell here on the podcast. I mean, she has written so vulnerably about parenting her own children. And I think the thing I uh, that is especially meaningful is that she writes in the book about how her children don't look different. Kind of like my kids with their food allergies. They don't look like they have special needs. They don't look like they might need an extra dose of grace and patience and, you know, kindness. Um, but their special needs are, are, are not manifest in that way. And just the, the situations that that has put her and her kids in where they are misunderstood, where they're judged or treated harshly. But then the opposite of that, and one of my favorite essays is the concluding essay, which has the, just the fabulous title. I'm going to find it. Harry Potter goes to church. <laughs> 
love it because she's actually talking about my church in there. Um, but her her son brought his Harry Potter book to church. That's sort of where where that title comes from. Um, but in that essay, she describes a, a very profound moment where her son was seen by another adult um, and the kindness of it. But it's really simple. When you read the story, it was just a, a small moment of, of her child being seen and acknowledged and loved, even though his behavior had been bizarre <laughs> and, you know, out of his own, his own differences. But that's the thing, like it, when you've been judged and you've been embarrassed and you have felt shamed in public, just this, that small kindness, that small noticing, that just small moment of patience and care extended to a child who is not your own child is enormous. And so I find the books so encouraging to realize that in our communities and our churches, um, with our friends and neighbors, that we don't have to be like superheroes. We don't even have to be among the helpers, the therapists and the the teachers and, you know, the aides and so on. We, even if that's not who we are, we can have a profound um, impact on these children and their families just through very simple acts of love and seeing and understanding. But we do need to take the time, I think, to to try to understand what that experience is like. And this book invites us right into that experience. Um, right. Because I, the thing that got me is that she has, in fact, a prayer for a public scene. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. So when I was in Annapolis yesterday, remembering my four-year-old flailing on the sidewalk in front of all <laughs> the the tourists and my in-laws who were judging me, I'm sure, and I, as I was judging myself, right. um, I thought about this prayer, I've carried this book around in my backpack this week, and I was there in Annapolis, and I was thinking about what it would have meant to me to even think such a thought that you could have a prayer for a moment like that. So, I'll read this out, and I feel um, tender about it because it's like getting to read it back over myself, like, oh, you know, yeah. 10 years ago, when I sure would have loved somebody to tell me it was okay, like, that I didn't mm -hmm. have to feel embarrassed. But also, like last summer, when my kid, who has a tendency to just say literally whatever is in his mind, no matter who's around us. So it's okay-ish if it's a four-year-old. <laughs> but when it's like your teenage son and he's with all his teenage friends and then he makes a comment about what you look or what you're wearing or like asks the question you wish he would have just asked you in private about your body shape or your outfit, <laughs> like that it just comes out of his mouth in front of all his friends. Like you could just feel yourself with the embarrassment. And here it is, a prayer for a public scene. Dear God, we are so embarrassed. We would like to say on behalf of our child, but the truth is we are embarrassed for ourselves. And we're angry at a world that isn't designed for families like ours. We are frustrated, grieving, and above all, exhausted. Thank you that you are with us even when you feel so far away. Thank you that the events of today, <laughs> so great, were merely a moment in time and not an eternity. <laughs> Help us not to mentally calculate exactly how many more of these moments we might get to experience. <laughs> And help us to remember that you love our child even more than we do, and that you are always with us, enfolding us in your arms. Amen. Oh, 
man. And I thought I would. so good. I wanted to add to that, like a tiny excerpt here from the foreword by Joni Erickson Tata that I thought was really beautiful. She writes this. She says, I shared Special Grace, this book, with my friend Kristen, a mother of three children with disabilities. And she wrote, Joni, I can't tell you how many times I've teetered on the edge desperate and wholly overwhelmed, barely able to utter a mere Jesus help me. How wonderful to have a Christ-loving mom articulate such heartfelt spot-on prayers for nearly every circumstance. In Special Grace, you will find prayers for your frustration, grief, and above all, exhaustion. Prayers for when your child starts medication or undergoes a medication change. You'll find prayers for when your child creates a public scene. Prayers for bus drivers, for when people look at you funny, even prayers for your insurance company, prayers for the celebration of the moment and for growing up. I mean, it's just, I don't think I've ever seen a book out there that does no. this. No, you're right. I remember, um, I feel so privileged, you know, just through the friendship to have been in from the beginning um, on this project, just, you know, as a friend cheering on. But I I remember when Elrina first shared the idea with me and, and a couple other of our writer friends and um, not even knowing exactly how she would write it or, you know, what the stories would be or what the prayers would cover. Everything in me said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Let it be so. Yeah. In the writing world, they tell you to do this thing, like if you're proposing a project, like you have to talk about the market and sort of what need it, it meets and, you know, where where's kind of the gap in the market that this book will fill. But like this book doesn't just fit into a little slot. It, it was like, it revealed like a gaping hole in, in you know, what, what we need and what we have. And so no matter, I think, how, <laughs> how it had been done, it would be excellent just to have a book on this topic. But the fact that it's Elrina, the fact that she is so, has lived this story to such depths, the fact that she's still living it, so she's not writing from a place of like lofty detachment of having, you know, gone, gone through it all, um, but is still very much in it. For like, and, and then finally, because she's such a funny Yes. Funny writer. Like she's so humorous in her storytelling. <laughs> yes. I think adds just this extra, I don't know, just compassion and humanity and joy. Like there's actually like like you will laugh reading this right. her stories and there's joy in them too, which um I think is even more important when um the the things we're dealing with are so heavy and so hard. And her stories are heavy and hard. Right. Like she She's she is challenged <laughs> in her in her parenting um, beyond anything uh, I think I've experienced. In her chapter called um, "The Do Over," she has a series of prayers. I'll just read the titles of them. It says a prayer for for when everything seems to be going wrong. And then there is another prayer for when everything seems to be going wrong. And then there is one more prayer for when everything <laughs> seems to be going wrong. And I, the shortest one just reads, "Dear God." We cannot even today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> right? Great. And I laugh because it's like, it's, it's like so laugh true. cry because it's so real and so, so good. True. And and yet to be able to even laugh in that moment, oh my gosh, that yeah. really is the best medicine. <laughs> oh, so Alrina, we, we love you. We, we love, love your book. you, Alrina. <laughs> we will link Alrina's book in the show notes. We just cannot recommend it highly enough, mm -hmm. especially heading into Mother's Day. Yeah. If you oh, have gosh, moms yeah. that you know or caretakers or 
physicians even who have special needs practices, anybody that you know who has a child in their life that just requires special grace, I mean, really, this is the book that we wish we could put in all of your hands. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we're so grateful we could share part of these stories. I think for me, it was wonderful to look back and look at our kids now, you know, because they are the whole story. They're not just the now story. They are the whole story. Yeah, it's so true. I'll maybe end with one more little story. You know, something else that I feel like I used I used to write more about or tell more stories, just my own difficult parenting moments, but haven't in a long time um, as my child has grown is that uh, my firstborn, so those scenes, <laughs> we had a lot of scenes, a lot of public scenes, and um, and I didn't understand why in those early days, um, but as she grew and I, I learned to better understand her and myself, I realized that she and I both are are what's often called highly sensitive people. So we're very sensitive to um, sensory s- stimuli. And so um, my poor young daughter was, especially out in the world or in any um, environment that was meant to be fun for kids, it was generally the opposite for her. It was completely overwhelming. And so she was a sweet, wonderful, obedient little girl, but she she was overwhelmed by the world. And so 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 we kind of joke about it now, but it it it's laughter over, you know, what were tears of, you know, anytime there was a birthday party or a fun little fair, you know, neighborhood fair for kids or uh, her school would have these parties or, you know, the egg hunt at church or, you know, anything like that. Um, We would generally end with, with um, meltdowns that, that I didn't understand. So (laughs) I remember the confusion. I remember the shame. I remember, you know, loving my child, but not knowing how to actually love my child. I remember feeling judged. I remember onlookers coming up to us with not helpful suggestions. Um, I remember hearing from people, she just needs a good spanking. I, you know, all the voices and and the self-judgment, most of all, like I'm failing, I'm a bad mom. Whoo, it was intense for years and years. Um, but here I am now, <laughs> And she's 18 and she's finishing high school and I'm planning her graduation party, let me say, <laughs> where I can say already with full confidence, she will not melt down. <laughs> we'll plan it well and, you know, we'll give her time to recover after, but but she she will no doubt have a, have a glorious time with her friends. She's headed to college. She's doing well in ways that even, I will say, two years ago, it was unclear that this would be her story. And so while it's good, I think at times to to connect with the the parents who are in the middle of the story, I guess I also just want to share that kind of outside the story perspective, um, because I could not have believed for so many years that it could go so well, that that such healing was possible, that such growth was possible. Like you described the growth just, in your amen. son. Yes, I could. I would not have if believed If you had it. told me, I actually would not have believed you. I, w- I wouldn't have either. It just seems on the hopeless days, gosh, you just cannot see it. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a lot of, of hard, hopeless days, even beyond, you know, what I'm sharing here. So um, <laughs> I think it's a good thing to... To pray the prayers and, and remember the stories, like you said, almost back over right. who you were then. You know, the right. mom I was then who made a lot of mistakes, who didn't understand, and to um, to 
to let ourselves be filled with the compassion of Christ for our own selves as well as our children. Um, so, yeah, whether you're in the middle of the story or you're looking back and maybe feeling kind of held back by shame or regret, um, or whether you're trying to figure out like how to come alongside someone else in a way that is actually um, helpful mm. and, and not a burden to them, um, I think this book is... is um, I almost said like the tool for us, but it's not a tool. It's just a work of art. So yeah. it's the work of art, I think, that we need. Oh, thanks, Alrina. <laughs> Thank you, Alrina. <laughs>